Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18 plus. The final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the final Furlong podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside my good friend and At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Who was live on ITV watching The Tin Man beat give it up for brando what an absolute hero he is and gustav klimt who we both had a very raised eyebrow about about uh, dropping back to six furlongs in the 32 red sprint cup stakes but it turned into a thrilling renewal uh, the tin man really loves ascot so you'd imagine that he'll take a lot of beating in the champions sprint um on champions day possibly uh next month but this was Definitely a case of horses coming from off the pace. Brilliant ride from Oshin Murphy. Game performance from Brando. And an interesting performance from Gustav Klimt. How did you assess it, Kev? Um, yeah, look, the story of the race was the pace. The, the, the race was shaped by the pace. Um, you know, we talked about it a lot leading into the race. With, you know, Harry Angel is, is always in a tricky spot because he's, you know, one of the best sprinters on the planet, I think it's fair to say, but he's not the most tractable and he can be a bit vulnerable at six furlongs, especially over stiff six furlongs. And here in a situation like this, where he's the the, the short price favorite, um, he's coming into the race a bit fresh. It, it, I just, my, the big concern was that something would take him on. And I'm, I'm a bit annoyed with myself that I didn't see the possibility of Hey Jonesy being the one to take him on. I thought it might be Don Juan Triumphant um, and or James Garfield, who were both drawn very close to Harry Angel, that they might be the ones to to look to fire him up. But Hey Jonesy was there um, a million to one, you know, had had gone forward, made the running before, and is, of course, a stable mate of Brando, who we all know loves a fast run race. Yeah. So with the glorious benefit of hindsight, um, you know, it, there was a, there there was always a possibility that Hey Jonesy would be the one to go forward, take on Harry Angel, um, upset Harry Angel, and uh, put some real pace in the race for his stable mate Brando as well. Maybe that wasn't a plan at all. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overly reading into it. But um, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and when you look back on it, it seems to be you know that may well have been a plan. It may well not have been a plan, but it certainly worked out. Um, it, it achieved both the goals anyway. Yeah, and uh, like they, they just went too fat, an unsustainable pace for the conditions here. 
Um, Harry Angel was well beaten as a result. Obviously, Hey Jonesy went out with him. And um, and anything pretty much in the first quarter to third of the, of the field in the first half of the race was always going to struggle. You know, Sands of Mali um, ran a super race, I thought, given that he chased that pace relatively closely. Um, and it, it was left to those that were held up to pick up the pieces. Yeah. And you, you'd have to be thrilled for the Tin Man. He's a likable old horse. Um, to be fair to him, like you, know, you say, likable old horse, it almost sounds like it, like a damning with fit in praise. But he, you know, he's, he's won a few a few Group Ones now. He's been unlucky a few times this year. Um, he's a horse that generally needs things to pan for him, and they certainly panned for him here. He got plenty of pace in front of him. He got a smooth passage through in the right part of in the right um, area of the track, and I um, mean, he, he duly went and won and. You'd have to be delighted for his connections. Oshie Murphy, um, it wasn't talked about a lot after the race because it, it's a bit kind of kind of elephanty in the room. You don't want to be jumping on a fellow when he's down. But um, Tom Queeley rode his horse in you know all bar one of his career starts prior to this. Oshie took over and and has got a Group One at the first time of asking. So you know you have to acknowledge that fact, even though it might be a little bit tough on Tom. Um, that's just the reality of what happened. And, uh, you, you know, James Fanshawe Hall is a very likable guy. And um, you, you can only be happy for them. Brando, like you say, Kenners, is an absolute smasher. And when he gets pace in front of him, as he did here, um, he, he's capable of, of putting, uh, you know, finishing off with a right rattle. And he duly did that again. Um, you know, he's, he's a gelding. He'll be banging away in these races for, for um, plenty, uh, plenty, you know, for... for my years to my come word, my, my, my words are deserting me here for your, years ma- to your come. mouth words have failed you <laughs> yeah see this is the, the the price to pay for having a cup of coffee before a podcast because it sharpens <laughs> me up in in one regard but it also makes me a little bit uh stuttery at times <laughs> how many how many seeing as we haven't had this discussion for a while how many coffees do you think i've had today Oh Jesus, go on! <laughs> so the the girls the girls in the hospital have actually started to worry about me. Um, <laughs> oh really? Two lattes <laughs> with five shots of espresso in both. Oh Jesus! That's, that's not, oh Jesus! So there you go. And <laughs> I'm doing. Might I add, I'm doing fine. Just uh... I wouldn't say grand. Fine. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the pace of the race just a, a little bit more before we, we lavish praise on the Tin Man and Brando. And we need to talk about Gustav Klimt as well. James Garfield couldn't go with them. And he likes to make the running. So that's an indication of just how fast they were going and just how free Harry Angel was. And there was an incident at the start where he, Adam Kirby was trying to get the hood off him. And it ends up coming off him too quickly. He wants to take that hood off at the very last second. It comes off too fast, falls on the ground. Now, he didn't lose anything at the start, but I just wonder if that added to him exerting energy when when Adam wouldn't have wanted him to. And he just looks like a horse who doesn't make things easy on himself. No, look, he's, he's never looked a horse with a great set of brakes. And it has been possible to upset him in the past and make him go um, faster than optimal. You know, we saw it in the Commonwealth Cup with um, Intelligence Cross, wasn't it? Yes. Just fired him up a bit. And, you know, he these things, a horse with that sort of character, it can be that can be accentuated when they're fresh. And he was coming here, you know, off the back of a couple of months break. 
Um, and those sprinters, you know, geez, when they get fresh, they get fresh. And that, that was, again, one of the reasons why I was worried about something racing with him early on, because it, it was always going to make Adam's job difficult just to just to get the brake pedal down and, and, and make him race efficiently. And um, and that's what happened. Look, hey, Jonesy jumped out, got him racing. And Adam had no chance. Adam did not want to go that fast, but um, he had no say in the matter. Um, and that's just Harry Angel. That is his way of going. And that's one of the reasons why I felt, you know, since Royal Ascot last year, that five furlongs could be his trip. Yeah. Um, You've been saying this literally for a year. Yeah, well over a year now. And Funny, I had an interesting conversation with someone with, with a connection to the horse. Um, uh, it was a few weeks ago now. And the, the subject has seemingly been raised amongst connections and the view that Clive Cox has taken is that if they did drop him to five, it could just blow his mind and he'd get too aggressive and too free. Um, if basically, if he was given his head as, as he would be in a five furlong race. And that's why they haven't really entertained the option. However, the possibility was raised and he does have an entry for it that he could potentially drop to five for the pre Labbe because that would quite possibly and quite probably be, he probably only has one more run left um, before he retires the stud. Yeah. Um, he'd be a very popular first season sire at, um, at Woodgood Alpha and Darley there next year. And, um, you know, it's either really, you could do both, but it's pretty much either the Abbey or the British champion sprint um, at Ascot, a track that he, you know, it's well established. He, he's never won at and has been beaten. You know, he's been beaten every time he's run there. Um, and that's over six furlongs on what would almost certainly be rain soft and ground. And for me, that's just too much of a test of stamina for hit for a horse with his speed. So given the choice, you know, it's got to be the Abbey. I'll be really, you know, it's their horse. They can do what they want, but I'll be a little bit sick if they don't give him a chance because I have a feeling this is a five furlong horse that's been winning group ones over six through pure class for, for the last year and a bit. Um, and I just, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I think it would really suit him. And he'd be an awful lot of fun to watch there, I think. Yeah, last year's champion sprinter, of course. And he'd be taking on Batash, who was brilliant. Wouldn't that, that be class? What a class. Two, two lovable lunatics who who grew up in the same paddock together as, as Foles. You know, it would be a fantastic story. Two absolute head cases. Make it happen, Clive Cox. Send him there. We want to see that. Um, the Tin Man. So we've talked about how likable he is. We don't want to be in any way condescending or patronizing. He's a proper Group 1 horse. Can he follow up in the champion sprint? Oh, he absolutely can. He's got a fine record at Ascot. Things haven't always gone brilliantly for him there. But, you know, he handles soft ground. There's always a chance it'll be soft ground, you know, come that time of year at Ascot. Mm-hmm. And he, he'd go there with a big chance, along with Brando. You know, two six-year-old geldings. And, you know, I, I love to see it. Um, I, I'd like to be honest. I'd love to see geldings allowed in pretty much every group one going. Because if the if the Colts can't beat the geldings, um, then you know they, they should be examined against the geldings. If we're going to examine them as potential stallion prospects, they should beat. They should have to compete with and beat all the best horses around, whether they're geldings or Colts or horses or what have you. And uh, these two these two boys are cracking sprinters. That when things go their way, um, they're tough to beat. They set a high standard for anything. And um, yeah, the two of them will go back, I'd imagine. And um, we'll have a big chance. Who knows, Brando maybe could go for the the foray uh, beforehand over seven furlongs, maybe. 
He's won a, a Morris de Geest over six and a half. Yeah. Um, he, he ran all right in the foray last year. Uh, I'm trying to recall exactly. I know he finished kind of mid-div, but I'm trying to recall was he unlucky on the day, and I can't off the top of my head. But um, he could potentially go there and go to the British Champion Sprint. That's what he did last year, so he could well do it again. But to be fair, what a season he's had. Like, second to US Navy flag, second here to the Tin Man. He's a, he's a real money spinner for the yard and, and a proper, genuine group horse. Oh, he's a smasher. You know, come up through the handicap ranks. Didn't he win in their gold cup off some ridiculous rating, like 110? You know, he's a smashing horse. Absolutely smashing horse. He'd love to have one like him. And um, his, you know, he'll keep banging away at this level, hopefully for a long time to come. Now, you mentioned the foray. I wonder, is that where Gustav Klimt will go next? Because he's a bit of an enigma, this horse. He is proven on heavy ground, which he got on Saturday. But fair play to Aidan O'Brien, because we had the raised eyebrow about him lining up here, but he's run a stormer. That's it. I think we, I think we might have said it last week. You know, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do, but how many times has Aidan O'Brien made fools of fellas that, that thought he wasn't doing the right thing and the, the horse goes and wins or runs well? And that's exactly what's happened here. Um, he's run a stormer. Like... He, he has some form on heavy ground, but he certainly doesn't move like a like a heavy ground horse. He just gets away with it, seemingly. Yeah. Um. I don't know what you do with him. I, I I've given up trying to work him out now. You think the far A would be a, a nice middle of ground for him potentially? Um. They've nothing to lose with him now, so they may as well run him in everything. <laughs> you know, he's had a he's had a busy season, but this was as good a run as he's had all year. So he's a typical O'Brien Colt, you know, holding his form despite a a tough campaign. So by all means, far A. Uh, British Champion Sprint, Breeders' Cup Mile, uh, you know, Hong Kong Mile, off you go. Breeders' Cup Dirt happens. Sprint, give it, a, give him all yeah. the entries, go for it all. Yeah, no, he's he's not a horse I will be bullish about uh, anytime soon. God, you couldn't be. Um, but yeah, this was a, a big step back in the right direction, to be fair to him. Yeah. And um, yeah, third in the Group 1 Sprint, wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have made that much of a price there. <laughs> A few, a few months ago. No or I should say, Or I should say it would have made it a very big price. No way. Especially when he got uh, slammed in in a classic. There's no way you'd be thinking, ah, you know what? Sprint Cup. Hey, Doc, watch out from but there. Not, not even that. Just the fact that he you know, was very much caught out for speed, seemingly, at Newbury over seven the time before. That's true, yeah. Um, you know, I know. <laughs> you know it's, it's just... It's just an example. That... I mean, the horse hasn't won, but it's an example of... Aidan O'Brien's genius that he could see something in him that went yeah that'll suit him yeah that's not a a, a race planning decision I think that that's you know many people would have come up with I think it's fair to say I don't think anyone would have come up with it really but, no. but, but there we go we gave him his chance things finished third yeah um the rest uh, Don Juan triumphant I was hopeful he'd run well at a big price he, he did. did um I just it's a funny one because I thought he'd be up at the pace. He was probably better off um, missing the kick as he did and being up away from that hot, hot pace. And funny enough, when he, he had a very big handicap performance um, over this course and distance, uh, was it la yeah, last year? And the same thing, you know, he missed the kick uh, and came with a storming late run to win. So he, he's a funny old devil. Like, you know, he can make the running, he can miss the kick and run well either way. Um, very talented, loves soft ground. If he if he got it again in the the British Champion Sprint, um, he'd probably be capable of running okay again. But um, yeah, it was a good solid run from him, to be fair. And uh, as mentioned earlier, Sands of Mali, I think, did well here because he w wasn't too far off that hot pace at all. 
and he's stuck on admirably well. And you know, this represents for uh, uh, him very much getting back on track after a couple of disappointing runs following his his very good one in the Commonwealth Cup. Okay, and finally, speaking colours. Speaking of race planning, for a second I thought he was going to win. He seemed like he yeah. was moving up there really, really well, and then he just faded. Yeah, a little bit, a small bit disappointed with him now. And I know he probably wasn't that far below form um, on the figures. I was hoping he could take a step forward here, and he didn't. Um, probably ended up on the wrong the wrong side of Harry Angel again with the glorious benefit of hindsight. Um, but yeah, I was hoping he'd do a little bit more. But there you go. He's a he's a three year old, only the eighth start of his life. He'll have another go now. Um, and I, I'd still be hopeful there could be more to come from him but yeah a little, little bit disappointed if I'm brutally honest okay we'll keep the faith with speaking colours um, two very good runs at Ascot and Deauville for the Tin Man he gets his group one this season he was a winner of the champion sprint in 2016 we shall see in October at Ascot if he can do it again that will be live of course on ITV uh, also and Ed was tweeting about the fact that this resulted in uh, the enable factor resulted in huge figures at the weekend there are some people tweeting at final forlum podcast saying that they only tuned in to see kevin blake but i <laughs> suspect it was more to do with ed and enable now on thursday's show we were of the mindset that crystal ocean was the bet because he was going to come into the race hard fit yes he'd had a gut buster as kevin would say uh, last time out, but Frankie wouldn't be taking the whip to enable. Um, Weekender came out with a self-cert, and Kempton does favor front runners, and that's exactly what enable did, which again, we weren't entirely sure she would do. But with the pacemaker gone, she made all the running, and he hasn't had to take the whip to her because she's just obliterated him. And the three and a half length winning distance probably doesn't do justice to her superiority and yes she's getting weight from crystal ocean but he is one of the standard bearers of the middle distance horses this season and she's swatted him aside on a, on seasonal debut yeah this was fun to watch wasn't it and um, it wasn't the result i expected uh you know the weekender coming out put the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit tactically because what seemed on paper to be a relatively straightforward race to you know, picture what was going to happen. All of a sudden, it was like, mm, God, will they want to make the running with enables? First run back, you know, make her, you know, I, just, I, I wasn't fond of the, the in theory of enable making it because I just thought David Probert would, would very much attack her early on and potentially drag her into a slog. But as it turned out, you know, Crystal Ocean and David Probert couldn't really get near her. Hmm. Uh, Frankie, you know, as as is Frankie's, party trick you know he's just very good at judging it in front and um he was able to to, to rate the rate the fractions good enough that crystal ocean was never able was never able to get to her quarters and um she quick enough great you know closing sectionals very strong um all hands and heels and um, just as a comeback it was just pretty much perfect um she was she was anxious to kick on now before the race you could tell she was just getting a little bit warm. She was a little wound a little bit tight, which you'd forgive her, you know, given that she would be so fresh her first run back. Mm. Um, but the performance, once the stalls opened, you know, she just looked to really, truly and genuinely enjoy herself. Um, ears pricking all the way. You know, she can make her own running, but ideally she'd have something, something in front of her, I'd imagine. Um, 
and just great. And like you say, she was she was receiving five pounds from Crystal Ocean for his Group Two win this year. Um, but you know, five pounds is about three lengths. Um, over this trip, you know, on that type of surface, and you know, even if they're enabled was just getting the the sex allowance off him, um, I think she still would have beat him with a little bit of despair, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and, and that's a fine performance. You know, Chris Lotion wouldn't have been at his peak best either. It sounds like Sir Michael Stout gave him a little freshen up, um, after his big big effort in the King George. So, um, I'd be far from despondent about him. But this was about an able, and you just you you couldn't but be delighted with it, and you know going forward to the Arc de Triomphe, God she looks. I know it's you've got the likes of Sea of Class and a couple of other very promising horses and very proven horses, but gee she's looking a bit bombproof to me at the minute. She really does. Uh, there's a couple of things to talk about with the able in terms of connections, comments afterwards. John Galston was talking about the fact that she's a horse who doesn't really like to stay still she's very very anxious to get on with things and while some horses can be a little bit lazy and lethargic she's very anxious to get on with things and wants wants to race wants to work and so that had been hard on her not being able to to run this season and not being able to train either um which might explain one of the reasons why she got so warm pre-race and and during the race you could see her sweating up as well the other is John Gosden praising David Probert for not leaning in on an able mid-race, which you might expand upon, Kevin, um, because there was an opportunity for him to do that. And John was at pains to praise him and say, well, he was looking after his horse and ours by, by not resorting to that kind of tactic in the race. Yeah, look, if if it had all been about Saturday for, for one or both of these, it probably would have looked a different race. And David Probert would have um, perhaps looked to put pressure on an able a little bit further out than he did. Um, but, you know, for all that was, it was an able's comeback, it was clearly considered a stepping stone for Crystal Ocean as well. So while um, Crystal Ocean might have had a better chance of winning the battle, um, if, if David Probert had been a bit more aggressive, it wouldn't necessarily have been in the best long-term interest of either horse, really. So I'm sure that's what John Goslin was referring to. The two of them can go forward now, having not had um, hard races onto the main target. And I'm sure there'll be no uh, <laughs> there'll be no quarter given um, on, if they come close together on, on the biggest day, um, assuming they both run in the arc. Um, but yeah, look, this was about getting an able back on the track and have getting a good positive experience. Winning was a bonus. And um, she can go forward from this. And Crystal Ocean can go forward from it too. She's two to one, seven to four. Is there any, con like you just said, you see her as being bomb proof. Is there any concern for the big day that you can see in your mind, the bounce factor that you either believe in or you don't, her constitution after being out injured for most of the season. Is there any concern for you? Or do you think that that price is actually going to be shorter on the day? Um, the bounce wouldn't be in my mind. I'm not a huge believer at that. You know, certainly when you're when you're dealing with tip top trainers like John Gosden, um, he knows what he's doing. You know, he he in every sense of the word, he knows what he's doing with this particular horse. He would have had her where he wanted her, um, and you know, four weeks is is a good gap to to tighten the screws and everything else in time for Longchamp, and. 
like when you when you weigh up when you weigh her up, she's you know, if you were really fancying something like Sea of Class for the arc, we'll say, you could certainly see envisage envisage a situation where things might not go right for her. You know, she's a speed filly. She'll probably be ridden uh, for a turn of foot. You know, it can go wrong for horses around Longchamp that way. You know, generally a very big field. Um, traffic can be an issue. But with Enable, she's just so tactically versatile. Mm. You know, Frankie can quite literally put her anywhere. And it's. It, it, I actually watched it again the other day. And um, Frankie's ride on her in the arc last year was just really really good genuinely really good he got praised to high heavens what a couple of years ago for was it was it his ride on golden horn in the arc yes um his ride on enable was so much better and it didn't get nearly as much praise yeah and um, because there was traps everywhere for enable um when you looked in the i, I recall having just a, a really in-depth look at that race beforehand and it it just looked like there was potential trap doors everywhere you know, she was drawn low, but at Chanty, they've got that switchback configuration. She had the wrong horses drawn drawn around her in terms of um, the Ballydoyle horses. And there was just, there was traps everywhere. He could have found himself pocketed. He could have found himself getting involved in a pace battle up front with the pacemakers if he, if he went too forward early. And um, he was just able to put her everywhere. Kept her wide early on. You know, but was then able to tuck in. You know, it just, it was... It was simple, really, if you just watched the race unfolding. But if you looked at it in a lot of depth beforehand and saw the potential dangers there, how he avoided those dangers was just was just impeccable, really. And you need the you need the right horse underneath you to allow you to do that. And she just has a tactical pace. She she doesn't need cover. You know, she can make her own running if she needs to. She has a turn of foot to get you out of trouble if you need it. And um, she's just. Yeah, she's just a, a feral racing machine now, and I'm I, I find it difficult in my mind's eye to see a situation, you know, bar something very odd happens, where things could go wrong for her in the arc, and I think she proved last year, you know, albeit in receipt of a good chunk of weight, that she has probably more talent than anything else around at the minute. You know, Sea of Class is, is the X factor horse, perhaps that could potentially go on and. And do more and bring her form forward but yeah on, on what we've seen so far you know enable would hold all the aces for me she was definitely the star of 2017 and if she can repeat what she did in the arc last year then she'll become the star of 2018 as well it's a fascinating fascinating renewal of the arc and hopefully they all get there at Paris Longchamp as we're now supposed to call it uh, fit and well but she will definitely be the star attraction uh, and I, I just going forward Kenner so let's just say and let's just, let's just assume she wins the arc um would they they'd send her to the Breeders Cup turf wouldn't they isn't that a graveyard for arc winners nah she's alive she doesn't need a graveyard yet <laughs> Um, I don't see why they wouldn't. Like she's, she's had, you know, that'll only be her second start. So why not? Why not go? Yeah, there? she's very, she's very fresh, very fresh. And you know, I think I was looking back through it today just to try and find, you know, a, a precedent amongst cattle Abdullah horses. And um, the 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 one the most recent one I found that you could draw a comparison with. I know it's not quite the same, but midday. 
Hmm. You know, it was uh, I think she won five Group Ones. She wasn't quite as good as Nabel. I think it's fair to say, but yeah. you know, she went she went to Longchamp and the Breeders' Cup. You know, three years in a row. Well, sorry, I tell a lie. She she didn't go to Longchamp last year, but she went to the Breeders' Cup three years in a row. Um, and you know, came back as a five-year-old. So the campaigning of midday, you know, and we've seen with the likes of Frankel and, and you know, the when Cattle Abdullah in more recent years has got a really good one, you know, assuming they've got the constitution. And I think ultimately that was probably the reason why Kingman didn't come back. I don't necessarily think he had the chassis to keep going. Um, when when they're sound and, and, and everything is right with them, I think he, he's inclined to keep them going. Yeah. And she's had a short season this season in Abel. And assuming all goes well in her, what will probably be her last two starts for this campaign, you know, why wouldn't she come back? I could, I, I'd make it odds on that she's back as a five-year-old, which isn't really a thought that had entered my head until I thought about it today. But God, wouldn't that be fantastic? Well, that was my next question for you, is whatever about the Breeders' Cup or taking her to Hong Kong or Japan, because I can definitely see her going on an international campaign and, and going for, for one of those races, would she race at five? And it does make sense that she would. I think she would, you know, because look, at the end of the day, Carol Abdullah, Prince Carol Abdullah is not a young fella. He's been breeding horses, trying to breed horses like an Abel um, for, you know, decades. And I think recent evidence suggests that when he gets a really good one, he wants to enjoy them, mm. you know, because, you know, he obviously loves um, the breeding side of the game as well. Uh, but, you know, with, with a mare, and we've seen it more and more, thankfully, you know, in the last decade, perhaps more than any other, that, you know, the likes of Golikova, the likes of Trev, you know, they, when, when, whenever, when they have the right kind of head to go with their talent, geez, they're better off on the track, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I know it's, jeez, uh, I, I know so much myself, you know, when you when you have, a, there's it, there's nothing better than looking at a nice mare out the window, you know, out in the paddock, but, jeez, it's a lot more fun to watch them competing in Group 1, surely, no matter how much of a, of a Bloodstock fan you are. And there is time, there, there's plenty of time to breed to her, you know, if she's, if she's fitting well. But when she has that talent and she's sound and she's mentally in the right place, keep going. That's it. And I know I know it's easy, you know, from the position of a hurler on the ditch here to say to say it, but you know, if I was ever fortunate enough to get a really good race mare like that, and I was in a position like Prince Cattle Abdullah, I suppose you'd have to qualify that with in that he has, you know, hundreds of horses. But when you get one that good, God, I'd be inclined to just keep racing them until they tell you that they're not quite as good as they once were. Yeah. And then and then call it a day because chase the enjoyment they give you there going and taking you around the world. You know, all being well, winning Group Ones in the style of you know what a Goldacova was doing. You know that there'd be no greater pleasure in the game, would there? Well, you know the cartoon joke about the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and whispering to the character about trying to influence. You know exactly what's going to happen to Khalid Abdullah. You're going to have Frankie in one ear and John in the other, and they're both going to be saying <laughs> the same thing. You know. We didn't get a full season with her this year, but just imagine what she could do as a five-year-old. She'll be stronger. She'll be sounder. Three arcs be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, look. <laughs> Prince Khaled doesn't need the money. You know, he, he's he's in the game for enjoyment at this stage. Yeah. Um, and geez, there there'd be no better way to enjoy a, a filly with that much talent than than to keep her going. You know, all being well. 
um, you know, with, with her soundness and everything else. But she loves racing. She clearly loves racing. Mm. And God, it'd be fun to, to, to watch her go again and hopefully get a, a fuller campaign next season. And even that, even if it was just the second half of the season job like it was this time, God, that'd be great too. You know, I'd, just, I'd love to see her back again. It'd be fantastic. Declan Ricks has written about her for AtTheRaces.com as well, which you can read now on the At The Races app or AtTheRaces.com. And Declan's going to join us for our Irish Champions Weekend preview on Thursday. We'll also have a special St. Ledger preview with Rory DeLarge. Both podcasts available for you on Thursday evening. Looking forward to those. Of course, Kevin will be on for both. Uh, we did a poll for ITV at Royal Ascot. Is Frankie Dettori the best big race jockey in the world? Definitely from the front he is. But is he the best in your view? Oh, God. He, and, you know, it's important to qualify it with Frankie that you're talking about big races because he yes. he just comes alive and grows. He loves big the big occasions. Yeah, and that, that has been the case for many years. And I think we talked about I certainly I think we talked about it in the pod, but I had this conversation with someone relatively recently, and it's a very important distinction between a top class jockey and a top class big race jockey. That was you I, and I on the way to it's a strange thing to say, it was you and I on the way to the makeup truck. Uh, at Royal oh Ascot. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's it's an important distinction to make because um, I'll give the example. It might be something I consider harsh now, but I'll give it anyway because it's my opinion. Um, Sylvester D'Souza is is a top class jockey, um, in my opinion, but I don't think he's a top class big race jockey yeah. just yet, um, because it's one thing to have all the talent and have the temperament for um, everyday races, but I think in big races the stakes are higher, and there's greater levels of scrutiny, greater levels of pressure. And not every jockey goes the right way mentally, I think, um, in that setting. You know, whereas, you know, the, the easiest comparison I, I'd, I'd make is you look at the likes of over jumps and um, just to satisfy our jumps fans for, for, for a minute. Um, you know, you look, look, look at the likes of Ruby. When Ruby goes to Cheltenham, you can tell he just grows. He grows. And the way he rides, you know, going down the hill, He's more often than not waiting when they're when they're going down the hill, and, and he knows the, every blade of grass of that track. He knows exactly yeah. where to be, and when to make his move. But it's not even that. It's just confidence. The confidence mm. to wait down the hill. Lesser jockeys are losing their heads. They're they're starting to race early because they're feeling the pressure. They're feeling the excitement. And Ruby's laughing at him. He's waiting and waiting. I will deliver. Davy Russell in the same boat. Yeah. Waiting waiting while the others are booting on from the front they're waiting and and that's the difference you get the same thing on on the flat as well obviously and you know frankie just goes into the zone in big races and just doesn't make many mistakes you know they're the ones that matter most to him and you know i'm not for one second saying that sylvester d'souza won't get there you know and at the end of the day if you're going to get there you need the opportunities to get the experience at the very highest level, and and it could readily be argued that Sylvester D'Souza's um, talent hasn't been adequately rewarded with those opportunities at the highest level. Um, but... I think that's a very fair point to make, and I think it's a point that a lot of people, a lot of racing fans, continue to make. You know, why does he not get as many big race rides? And and I would just qualify by saying that if I've got a staying handicapper, or if I've got a staying racehorse. Sylvester D'Souza is probably the one I want to book. 
And I'd look back. I could have won on Little Rockefeller at Goodwood, but he gave him a brilliant ride. Withhold last year, he gave him an exceptional ride as well. He he does come into his own there. But I, I think your point about big race, group ones, over middle distances, over a mile, when the pressure is really, really on, it's Frankie, it's Ryan Moore, it's right now Oshin Murphy, James Doyle riding a crest of a wave, Christoph Sumion. Those guys just have that next level factor. And if they do well, get it wrong, they'll that, learn they, from they, it. They've, they've developed it. You know, James yeah. Doyle hasn't all of a sudden become a world-class rider. It's just his riding in itself probably hasn't changed all that much, but it's just his mentality yeah. has probably just gone on to the next level. And he started to believe that he's a world-class jockey and he's riding as such. You know, that ride in the Irish Oaks this year was oh, just phenomenal. unreal. And you need so much confidence and self-belief to execute a ride like that. And that that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a top-class big race jockey is to have that that self-belief and that confidence and not to be thinking about, oh, what am I going to do if this goes wrong? You know, you're thinking, right, this is going to, this is going to work. You know, and, and it's, there's common ground there amongst all sportsmen. You know, some sportsmen, they just grow on the big occasion. They grow because they have that, you know, unshakable self-belief and confidence that just allows them to do things that, that fellas that think about it more or that lack that bit of self-confidence. They just, they don't have the bottle to do it. And, um, you know, for me, that, that's, that's the key when you talk about big race jockeys. You're not so much talking about riding ability because you can list off all the top guys and it's not for lack of riding ability. It's just, it's a mental thing. Yeah. It, it, it's a mental thing, you know, and I, could talk, I find it very interesting, you know, in terms of the mental side of, of sports. And um, for me, like confidence and self-belief, riding horses in races is a confidence game. Uh, but the thing is, not everyone can carry that confidence from a low level all the way up to the very highest level in the in the pressure cooker of the of the very biggest occasions. And that's what sets the, the tip-top guys apart. Well, we have a new In Conversation with coming up soon. And um, I won't say who it's with, but that is definitely a topic that we will be having with that particular person. Uh, we'll move on to the Unibet Mile, which was run on heavy ground. They talked about retiring Here Comes When last year after winning the Sussex Stakes, but they came back and there's another 35 grand uh, to his name and uh, a group three to go along with it. His beloved heavy ground and he got the job done. Yeah, that was it. It was, it was the most testing ground he'd encountered since that great day in the Sussex Stakes. And, um, and he capitalized, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, you know, you have to be delighted for his connections. He's been a wonderful horse, eight years of age. Um, and, like, he probably wasn't far off his very best here. You know, he'd been below his his, his best ever since that Sussex Stakes over a year ago. And you know, But he just comes alive in this ground. He's a horse that always goes with great enthusiasm. But for whatever reason, this ground, um, testing ground, just really brings the best out of him. Um, I'd give another chance to Regal Reality. Um, this race had a very muddling look to it pace-wise on paper, and they ended up trying to make the running with Regal Reality. And they ran well for a long way, but just got caught late on. And I'd say a combination of a less testing surface plus not having to make the running, and he'll get back on track. You know, I suspect he might prove to be the best horse in this race in the, in the fullness of time. He's only a three-year-old, 
And um, I definitely 100% give him another chance. Okay, keep the faith with him. Uh, as we move on to a horse that you tipped, Kevin Blake, Mekong for Sir Michael Stead and Ryan Moore. This time they were in the winner's enclosure and they had the audacity to go and beat the Queen. How dare they? Um, yeah, I tipped him, and then I did a classic Kevin Blake flip flop, and the rain came and switched to natural natural history. <laughs> this is no. What you did was a classic Kevin Blake ITV thing, where you've tipped a horse in the final furlong podcast, a la Tiger Roll, both at Cheltenham and at Aintree, and then you have a last minute change of heart, and it blows up in your face. But for final furlong podcast listeners. Gravy. Gravy everywhere. <laughs> Mekong gets it done. Yeah, and then new evidence comes along. Um, he was good. This was a really good good performance in the Read Luke Morris blog at Unibet Handicap. It was very good because he was very free the whole way. And to be honest, at halfway, I was saying, I think he can't finish this race off. Like he, He's raced that freely. Um, but he was very powerful late on. You know, testing conditions. His stamina was proven um, already. You know, he's already a winner over a mile six, but... Um, a mile six on heavy ground when you've pulled like a train uh, until past halfway is, is a different story. And yet he's still bolted up. Um, he'll get a fair all rise for this. I know the, the distances would have been exaggerated by conditions, but this was impressive. And, um, you know, one of the, he's one of these Frankels that stays very well, clearly, um, out of a Tiger Hill mare. And uh, he'll have no problem with two miles, I'd imagine. These conditions clearly pose no barrier to him. And um, yeah, he'll win again before the season's out, I'd imagine. Okay. Any idea of where he's going to go next? Uh, oh, God, no. I don't know. He won off 94 here. He's certainly going to be up into three figures, I'd imagine, after this. They could go up into listed company, potentially. There might be, oh, I won. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I was, don't know. They, I was going to say that he wouldn't have any problems going up again to two miles. And. He does look a group performer in the making. So I wonder yeah. what they tilted at a group race. Possibly so. You know, he's going to be low 100s. And um, I just want to double check something here while, I, while I'm talking to you. Um, because there could be potential for him to run in in um, in a handicap. I'm just trying to see here. Well, one of the points we've been making is well, that they, the, they, they the could run the going Zarowich. up. Yeah, because the weights for for those races have been going up. I tried to see is is he? Ah, uh, no. You see, they didn't enter him. They didn't, oh, deary me! Not entered for the Zarowich, but I know. Now that wouldn't happen if Kevin Blake was the race planner. <laughs> there wouldn't be an error like that if that was the case. Uh, we'll switch to Ascot, shall we? The Connard handicap over seven furlongs. Gilgamesh absolutely bolts up, uh, gets the job done brilliantly. It was a terrific ride from Jamie Spence. Oh, wait, sorry. No, then, you, then you woke no. up. Oh, no. <laughs> someday, Kenner, someday. Oh, no. He just needs this, a good draw. This, this is actually becoming scarily like um uh, a gabriel's caca job oh. <laughs> and he'll, he'll, he'll end up winning but he'll be in like a not to 80 at chester in about two years time <laughs> yeah he's gonna have to win at 50 to 1 for it to be <laughs> worth my while um uh, champions day the the race on champ the handicap on champions day that should be the target the, 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 the apprentice handicap is it that's the race that he's gonna go for but electra niarcos <laughs> you need to pay the relevant people to ensure that he gets a good draw <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works, by the way. It's just that he's been incredibly unlucky with the way the draws worked. Uh, Roy Delargy, 
footing up Ripor from the Final Furlong podcast, and he gets the job done, and um, he did it well. He, he uh, edged right in the Final Furlong, but he had plenty left for David Ellsworth and Jason Watson. And, yeah, he's uh, been a he's been a brilliant horse for them. This this lad, yeah. you know, he's gone up tw- even before this. You know, he'd gone up twenty pounds this this year. Um, he'd won a Victoria Cup. Um, and he, he's won another big pot here. You know, he'll be up near 100 after this, having kicked off the season of 73, you know, at the year, I should say, rather than the season. He's just been a wonderful horse. He needs things to go right for him a little bit. Um, he can miss the kick on occasion. Um, didn't really do it to any great extent this time. And um, great pace in front of him. And quite despite edging right, um, he's still won with a, with a shade of spare. Yeah. And who's to say that he couldn't go on again because his the the arc of his improvement has been you know it's 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 been steady away and there's who's to say he couldn't find a little bit more now. His half brothers continue to improve, so there's no reason to think that he can't be a hundred plus horse. No speculative bid. Oh, there we go. Yeah, he was a super horse, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, very good, very very good. So. Uh, plenty to uh, to like about that. Who would you take out of the race with a view to the future? Um, well, look, Raising Sand was my selection. He didn't quite get it done. A um, little bit disappointing. I thought the race panned out okay for him. Um, but he, he, I think he remains well handicapped. Maybe he could be one for 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 um, Ascot at the back end, maybe, on slightly easier ground. Maybe that'll prove to be the key because the um, his best run or the run that you know draws me to him uh, was on good to soft ground. So maybe it's just an ease in the ground is what he needs. But um, we'll wait and see. Cape Byron, I'd love to see Cape Byron tried over six. Um, I'm probably in a vast minority there in that opinion. But um, I think the way he travels through his races, I think it would definitely be where he goes. Okay. Uh, let's get ready to celebrate Kevin Blake again, shall we? <laughs> the winner's bell. First 11 for Kevin Blake. 355. Uh, Ghostwatch, obviously the admirable winner and should have been given the race. The stewards <laughs> should have held an inquiry and just given the race to him because, you know, it would have been good for my bank balance. Uh, but no, to be fair, first 11 put him in his place. Um, he's done this quite quite well for rob havlin and uh and john gosden he was well backed beforehand and uh, another winner for the blakester yeah he's a nice horse this lad to be fair to him he like things went so horrendously wrong for him in the king george the fifth at royal ascot he just he deserved a bit of a change of look um last time the time before this was just too bad to be true well it wasn't too bad to be true but it was just so far below expectations that I was just inclined to forgive it. I think his connections feel that maybe he had a harder race than, than they thought at Royal Ascot and just that that he was still feeling it really when, when they backed him off. But they gave him a little bit of time, came back here, back in handicap company and uh, won with loads to spare. And this might be the end of him in handicaps. Uh, he'll he'll be up into the, the 105 mark, I'd imagine, after this and uh, with his pedigree, I'd say they'd be keen enough to progress him into um, stakes company and see how high he can go. Because everyone was talking about uh, midday's pedigree beforehand being by Frankel out of midday. 
But uh, this fella's by um, Frank Lerzenda, yeah. French French Guineas winner, half brother to Kingman. So that's a big, big pedigree, um, a bigger pedigree perhaps even than than Middies. And I, I'd say Middy will just go back and trip. Um, yeah, he settled okay, but I, I just think he might be better suited by a, a shorter trip for the time being. He was hanging right. Yeah, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have. Um, yeah, wouldn't have set you alight now. No. Is is the way he was shaping late on? It's kind of hard to believe that it was heavy ground at Haydock, and it's good to firm at Ascot. Um, it just goes to show you the the difference in weather. But I thought Ghostwatch, to be serious, did run a fine race back in trip. Yeah, I'd say he can go back up and trip now. Uh, like my view with him is that stamina is is very much his forte. Yeah, and he ran a, a good honest race here. To be fair to him, over this shorter trip. And uh, back up and trip, I'd say he could resume his progression. So the front two, we'd be thinking, are set for a good autumn? I think so. Yeah, first 11 is an interesting one going forward. You know, he could perhaps stick to a mile and a half, whereas Ghostwatch could go back up and trip for sure. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can, they can carry on improving. To Sunday and France, live and at the races, the Prix de Moulin de Longchamp, uh, Group 1 company, and Recaltos got the job done for Olivier Pellier. How good is Alpha Centauri, who beat this horse last time out? We'll get to see her at the weekend, but he deserves the credit uh, on the day. Uh, he's a four-year-old. He just managed to get up and agonizingly beat Windchimes, who was really impressive in Group 3 company last time out. And Expert Eye hasn't had the clearest of runs, but I'm somewhat reluctant to forgive him. I think that's... It'll be my view that that's what he is. He's that kind of horse. This is his level. Um, he'll run well for you, but he's never going to be the horse that people thought he was as a juvenile. Well, I think you're a little bit harsh. Um, just just to start off with, with Recalitis, to be fair to him, you know, he's a two-time Group 1 winner this season now. Um, I don't want to knock him. You know, he, he second to Alpha Centuri. Um, obviously a boost for her form. He, I felt that both him and Windchimes just got a nice smooth run through this race. Um, uh, you know, nothing, nothing. There was nothing there that held them back, and it, the good horse race between them and, and Recalitas was the best horse on the day. Um, but I, I'd be more forgiving of Expert Eye than you now, because I, I just thought in contrast to the front two. He didn't get as smooth a passage, and he just got a little check at a crucial moment. And um, ultimately, he's only beaten, you know, a length and a half, very much going on at the line. Um, I, I give him another chance because, you know, I think I just wish they'd do one thing or the other with him now because they, they you know, they dropped him at the seven. His his two wins this season have been at seven. They've put him up to a mile in, you know, either side of those those wins and. Um, like they, they rode him very quietly here with a view to getting him settled uh, and he settled okay just okay um, and Ryan was very quiet with him you know with a view to preserving him to show a turn of foot and I think if, if he got the same run through the front two it had it would have been a close run thing I'm not going to go out and out and call him unlucky but I think he would have been right on top of them um, but I, I just hope they go for the foray now you know it's four week gap Hmm. Um, a four week gap back to seven I think that that race is made for him um, we, we could see a little, a little bit more from him there um, and then maybe 
go and finish up in in, in the QE two, maybe you know it's it's, it's a or, two week gap, which isn't ideal, I know. But or the Breeders' Cup mile to be a tight track. So. Yeah, possibly so. I wonder has he done enough to earn a place at stud next year? I don't think so. I wonder has he? I you really, know, he's agreed. The thing is, there are so many who go to stud, and and you can question and go, well, how is that horse that fee, and why is he standing it as a stallion? So maybe he would, but I'm looking at his form here, Kev, and like. There's not a whole lot there that's blowing you away. Like, he gets beaten by Lightning Spear, and somehow he turns that form around. But they keep messing around with him, like dropping him back to seven furlongs to beat Gordon Lord Byron, who's a very admirable horse, and that's great. Then he finishes third in Group 1 Company. I mean, he will go to stud, but I just don't see him being... Like, to be fair, there was an awful lot of pressure and an awful lot of expectation placed on him based on what he did at Goodwood on his second start. So he wins his debut, he bolts up at Goodwood, he melts behind US Navy flag when he's a long odds-on favourite, a ridiculous price. He's beaten in his Guineas trial. He's thrashed in the Guineas itself. Then he bounces back in stunning style. But it's a group two at Royal Ascot. Three and even, yeah. Group three. And that's what I think he is. I think he's, he's a group one horse but not a group one winner. Yeah. It's a funny look. Judmont would have, you know, very high standards of what they stand um, at their own farm, you know, and they wouldn't stand too many that aren't group one winners. So it might be a push. You might have to come back next year and earn it, but he would be a very commercial salient proposition at a level. Mm. You know, he's a son of acclamation. Acclamation, of course, you know, is, is a very, very good sire and the sire of dark angel. Yeah. Um, you know, Equiano, you know, amongst others. Um, you know, so he's there as a sire of sires. Um, you know, very speedy profile. You know, geez, I'd, I'd send the mare to him um, if I could afford him. <laughs> you know, the, um, so I, I think there'll, there'll certainly be a place for him somewhere. I'd say Judmont would love to stand him, but he probably does need to win a group one. He'll need that group uh, one on the CV. They could lease him to another stud firm. And if he does well, um, then take him could, back. It could happen. There'd be many, many a stud in Ireland or England that would love to stand him, I'm sure. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's an interesting one. He's just, if he won a group one, he'd be a certainty to be there next year, I'd say. But he might just need to win that group one to, to earn his way in, um, in beside Frankel and uh, and the others there at Judmont. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. He's an interesting one. He's a horse that I'd retain the fate in now. I just... I and I just I'm not being a smart arse now, but I just think if they'd set their stall out to make him to make him a sprinter at the start of the season, he might already have that group one. Um, yeah. and maybe maybe I'm being stubborn in my view now, but I just I, I really do believe that. I think he's a morning glory who just runs well, but he's never nah, he's never good. Well, he hasn't shown it, Kev. He, he just, has. He's a he's multiple group one place, group two winner. Yeah, you know, multiple exactly. Group, group three one winner. placed. He's had multiple chances and he oh, just he had a few do no he's had loads of chances four he's had 17 chances at least at this he's stage had four 17 chances to go and win a group one and he's blown them all um lightning spear literally did have 16 chances to win a group one and, and did of course last time out um and expertise turned the form around with them and without parole 
he's oh, disappointing, isn't again, he? Again, isn't he? Mm. Disappointing, very disappointing. But it's, um, it's, it's a well, what we say, we say disappointing. But I suppose we look, we we say disappointing. We we look back at the St James's Palace and look at the form now, and it just wasn't a very good St James's Palace. No. I mean, there's there's Wooden who also ran in that race, and he's not far behind with that parole. Yeah, you know, Gustav Klimt, who you know I know got back on track somewhat on Saturday, but they're just at this. Uh, I, I'm not going to knock them. They're all very good horses, but in terms of you know having what it takes to compete in open, all-aged Group Ones, they're just not there, are they? No. Um, and, and that's that really. You know, the St James's Palace form. If only Saxon Warrior had stayed to a mile, what could have been? Uh, the glorious benefit of hindsight, yeah. yeah. He would he would he would have won that, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. But given his pedigree, they had to go for a derby. We haven't talked about wind chimes. Um, very impressive in Group Three company last time out, where she showed a stunning turn of foot, and she's run an absolute stormer here. She's unlucky to get nailed late on. Yeah, she's run a stormer. She's run a stormer. You know, master craftsman having a big year and. And this filly is in amongst, uh, in amongst them with, with with the rest of them there. To be fair, this was a career best effort. I wouldn't like to say she was unlucky in any way. You know, she got a clean run through, um, best run of her life. She can go forward from this. If I'm trying to think, is there a filly's only option for her before the years out? Because if, if they could find one for her, uh, she'd be tough to beat. I'd say. Okay. You know, assuming Alpha Centauri doesn't turn up. <laughs> well, that's the thing because Alpha, and we're going to see her obviously in the Matron Stakes at Leopardstown for Irish Champions Weekend and she'll be a long odds on favourite but it'll be great to see her and hopefully she goes and does what Alpha Centauri does best bolt up um, but we'll talk about that on Thursday's show one of Thursday's two shows um, the big story of the day Kevin Blake is about a horse who is just being announced as having a big season, early season target Oh, yes, Dan Poli's back. <laughs> well, actually, that's one. But the real big story is that Untempor 2 is back in training and we'll be oh, going for the, for the Hennessy. <laughs> Come on, David Pipe. How many winners did David Pipe have last year, last season? Oh, couldn't tell you. Go on. 33. All right, okay. Ooh. Uh, but he's going to lead the, uh, the assault at Newbury, apparently. And... Um, I love that horse. I absolutely love him. He's a real star. But yeah, you must be thrilled that Don Poli has recovered and is back in training. Yeah, no, funny. I, I, I crossed paths with, with Eddie O'Leary at Doncaster there um, whenever it was a couple of weeks ago. And of course, I asked about the great horse and whether he's back in training. I said, oh, gee, yeah, absolutely. He's back in training. And I said, oh, he'll win the Grand National. So I said, he might. <laughs> oh, this year's Tiger Roll. Yeah, so that's the that's the project now for the next. Uh, it's gas. Well, how many? Well, I suppose it is. It's about seven months away to Grand National. <laughs> it's not that long, Kev. It's not that long to wait. Yeah. Oh, that. I tell you, if he got there, it'd be something shrill. Oh, oh the, um, the pollinator. The the pollinator T-shirts will be coming back out again. I still have the poster. 
Uh, but funny we... enough, the, the the cup that I drank my coffee out of is the is the pollinator fold April twenty first two thousand nine. That's Hashtag right. So much speed. That's <laughs> right, Glenn. The uh the black the black final furlong podcast mug. And uh, uh, this this is a different one. This is the one with Don Poli's picture on it. Her Brian Cooper on board. Oh, that's the white one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then there's a black I... final furlong podcast mug that has a hashtag, yes. a famous hashtag, which was actually <laughs> said to me in person today. And when I gave you that mug, I gave you a choice. You could have the white one or or the ceramic black one. You chose the black one, and I didn't realize that it had that particular famous hashtag. And it was like, oh, <laughs> crap. Yeah, th- th- thanks very much for those, Glenn. You're a legend. And it was Shane who did the original posters for us, which I still have, as I was saying. So thank you very much uh, to that kind man as well. That is it for this edition of the show. Thank you very much for the kind words on social media. On Thursday... We're coming at you with two final furlong podcasts. One will be previewing the St. Ledger meeting at Doncaster. The other, the Irish Champions Weekend at Leopardstown and the Curra. Don't miss them. They will both be available for you Thursday evening on attheraces.com and on your podcast app. Kevin Blake, you have decided that there will be a new feature to wrap up the podcast. Explain. Oh, yes. So we're going to take turns picking a song to play the podcast out we've played songs at the end of the podcast before so we're going to make it a regular thing just for the crack no rhyme or reason to it a song that's picking our fancy at, at the time for any particular reason and i get first go because that's the way it always should be and my because and my, i because i offered you the chance to go first that's why you swine oh yeah so i get to go this... first because that's just the way things are so my pick is inspired by uh, Chris Gardner off Twitter, who uh, sent me a tweet there on Sunday night, I think it was. No look for the past week with the horses. Time to play the following, I think. And the song is The Saw Doctors to Win Just Once. Enjoy. Enjoy it. We will talk to you on Thursday with not one, but two podcasts. Until then, from Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emma Kennedy, thank you very much for tuning in. We will talk to you again Thursday. God bless. Final Furlong Podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app, yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.